as the uh, election season approaches, um, we're, we're cataloged or put into all kinds of demographics based on age, gender, your affluence, wealth, whether you're, you know, your, your financial situation. But the only two demographics that matter are saved and unsaved. So um, as we sit here, as we are saved, do we care? Do we, do we see the people who are unsaved? And how do we respond to that? Are we ready to talk with this knowledge here? So one thing, just I, I think I'd be remiss, somebody told me in a meeting that if I'm going to talk a little bit about Revelation, I need to talk about the whole book. So for the next couple of hours, we're going to do an overview of Revelation. So buckle up, get ready. No, um, I can do this pretty quickly, so bear with me. Um, let's actually go back a little bit farther and... Thankfully, at least I didn't tell you I was going to start in Genesis 1-1 and work our way up to the end of Revelation. But if you think about it, Genesis 1-1, and I guess technically Genesis 1-26, that's when man create, or God created man in his own image. From Genesis 1-1 or 1-26 to Revelation 22-5, that encompasses the whole human history. That's what we have. That's what God's revealed to us. And he has sprinkled things in here with this, uh, the promises to us, and he lays out our future, he maps it for us. So there's no doubt about what's going on. And then at the very end of Revelation, it's almost like his final plea to a lost and dying world and people who are lost and broken and are, and are without hope. It's that final plea to them, but it's also a plea to us who are believers already to be his hands and feet, to talk to the people who don't know him yet. So that's kind of what we're going to look at. So <clears throat> let's, let's just, um, you'll have to forgive me, I'm turning. Victor makes it look so easy, and Brian and, and Jonathan. So I, I actually am turning to the marks I have in my Bible. So let's talk about 1 Peter 3.15, because we are told to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. And I, let me just read it instead of paraphrasing. For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also... Oh, wait a minute. First Peter 3.15. Sorry, I was reading First Peter 3.5. See, that's why I should write it down like Victor does. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So part of our hope is that we know that we are not going to have to go through the tribulation as believers. And that while the earth is experiencing this horrific catastrophe, we're going to be up in heaven celebrating, then we have the thousand-year reign that we're going to be able to participate in, and then after that is the new heavens and the new earth. But the people who aren't believers, I'll just go out there and say it, if they survive the rapture, they're going to have to go through the, revel uh, the tribulation. So with this in hand, with this knowledge that we have, are we ready to give an answer for those who are without hope, who are unsaved? I hope we are. Um, I'll, I'll be flat out and admit it. Some days I'm prepared and some days I blow it. I'll, I'll look back and like, oh man, you blew it. God arranged that for you and you didn't talk to him. So if, if you blow it every once in a while, just pray, well, Lord, bring somebody who is ready into their lives and he'll work through them. So back off the rabbit trail and back to where we're here. Uh, let's talk about a, um, a little bit about Revelation. I personally, as I read this, I believe Revelation is literal. Um, 
I believe there is a lot of symbolic things in Revelation, but I think as you read through this, it was literal. A great example, I think, of this is if you look at the tabernacle, there was a lot of symbolic stuff in the tabernacle as well as the temple, but it was an actual building. It was a literal building. It was a literal tent when it was a tabernacle that they carried around, but there was much symbology in there. So I think Revelation is the same, that there is a lot of symbology in Revelation, but it's also going to be literal. Again, there, there are people that say it's all symbolic, but I think as we go through here, because we're going to find out that Jesus himself says that Revelation is his testimony, I don't think his testimony would be just symbolic. You can let the Holy Spirit speak to you on that, but that's my slant on it. Um, I also think that, for the most part, Revelation is chronological. You can start reading in verse 1 of chapter 1 and go through to the end, and it's, it's chronological. Um, there are times where we'll come to the end of the chapter, there will be a statement at the end of that chapter, and then maybe the next chapter or two gives more details about that statement at the end of that chapter. But again, it is a chronological flow as you go through here. So let's actually talk about Revelation. Again, it is the revelation of Christ, his testimony. Um, and if we turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, hopefully I'll read the right verse this time when I turn there. Revelation, chapter 1, verse 19. This is John, this is Jesus talking to John. Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. So this is John's commission for writing the book of Revelation. And as we look at this, I mean, it kind of tells us what's going on, a little bit of an outline here. Um, So he's first told, Write the things which you have seen. Well, that's chapter 1 of Revelation, the glorified Christ. Pretty simple. Um, Then he says, write the things which are. Okay, well, that's chapter 2 and 3. Those chapters were letters that were written to the historic churches in Asia in the time of John, and it's also letters written to us. This is what's called the church age. So not only was it written for the people in John's historical time period, but it's for us as well, and for anything in the future until the rapture happens. That's the church age. So he is writing the things that are. And then he's told, write about the things which will take place after this. And that is the rest of the book of Revelation, chapter 4 through um, chapter 22, verse 5. Now, within those chapters of 4 through 22 verse 5, if we turn to Revelation chapter 1, there's a very important phrase there, and this is where a lot of people kind of get hung up is what they're talking about, but it says, after these things I looked and behold a door standing, and he goes on and finishes the verse. The thing I want to point out is this, is after these things, and the Greek word for that is metatalta. So if you're like me, when I, I'd read Revelation once or twice, but when I actually sat down and started studying this, this kind of perked my ears up. I was like, well, what is he talking about? After what things? Well, after chapters 2 and 3, the church age. So, again, we're following this chronological order. So he's saying that after these things, talk about the things that are to come. Is it coming up on the screen? Okay, sorry. Y'all kind of keep looking. I'm like, are they getting it up there all right? Pay attention, Mark. Um, <laughs> sorry. So as we go through this, we have these chapters, and if we break down these chapters, we can look at chapters 4 and 5, and I I don't see how you can 
come to any other conclusion but that the church is going to be raptured, and this is us, you see the church in heaven in chapters 4 and 5. Okay, so once this event happens, that's when the tribulation on earth is going to begin. So we have chapters 4 and 5, this is the picture of the church, the bride of Christ in heaven, and for the seven-year period, all hell literally is going to break loose on the earth because the restraint is gone. Satan's going to be able to do his full power, do everything he wants to do, and there's nothing going to hold him back. So as you go through the rest of these chapters, 7 through 19, it talks about all the calamity and everything that's going to happen upon the earth. And if you read through it, it's horrifying. I mean, there, there's, just, there's no other way around it. It's horrifying. And that's where if we study this, we think, okay, I'm a believer, but I know people that I love who aren't believers. This is possibly what they're going to go through if they don't become a believer. So that hopefully this will kind of shock. It shocked me a little bit. I was looking, I was like, wow, that's some really, really horrific stuff. Now, it's fun to speculate because it talks about the Antichrist, and it's fun to talk about, oh, is he alive right now, and who is he, and is he Barack Obama, or is he President Biden, or, you know, I don't know, that's, sorry, um, did I say that out loud? Um, <laughs> forgive me. Or, you know, talk about who the two witnesses are, are they walking around Israel right now? I don't know, it's fun to speculate that about that, but, you know, whether we come to a conclusion or not, we are told that that's going to happen, and that's the important thing. You know, it's also fun to speculate, okay, what is going to be the trigger for this? Is it going to be Ezekiel um, chapters 37 and 38? Is that going to trigger, and then the rapture? Is the rapture going to happen, and is that going to trigger that, and that's going to start everything? It's fun to speculate about all this, but to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter because it's going to happen. And it doesn't matter for us as believers because we're going to be out of here <laughs> and we're not going to have to go through it, which is good for us, but bad for those who aren't believers. So as we go through, we come to Revelation chapter 20. Um, Jesus has come back at the end of 19, and I know Victor talked about the triumphal entry. Um, I will go out on a limb if you guys want to care to come out there and see if it breaks under us. I would say if you read chapter 20, that's the true triumphal entry. Because he's going to come back, and that's when he's coming in as the Lion of Judah. He's going to set up his earthly kingdom. Just my opinion, but let the Holy Spirit speak to you, and you, you talk about that and think about that for yourselves. Um, and then we go on to chapters, um, oh, and also in chapter 20, it talks about the final judgment for the non-believers are going to get cast into the lake of fire. Satan's going to be released one final time. There's going to be a final rebellion, and then it's over and done with. Chapters 21 through Revelation 23, verse 5, is the new heaven and the new earth, and we go into eternity. So that brings us to what we're going to talk about tonight, which I'm glad, I'm sure y'all are glad I'm finally there. Uh, the final verse is of Revelation chapter 22. And we're going to go through this. And we're going to look at some things. We're going, to, we're going to dig in pretty deeply on some, and some I'm just not going to talk too much about. Um, so if I offend you and you're really wanting to hear about one verse, come talk to me about it afterward, and we'll have a discussion. Um, so let's, let's just read through the entirety of the rest of the book, and then we'll come back and look at these individual verses and talk about them. Uh, chapter 22, verse 6. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, 
I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Verse 9. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right of the, to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Verse 15, But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you, to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of, the prof- of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Finally, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So let's, let's, um, let's jump back through here. And let's, let's talk about some of these verses as we go through. Uh, verse 6, and then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and that word faithful is uh, dependable. And I kind of like uh, one of the definitions I read for true, uh, without fiction. So you could read that. And he said to me, these words are dependable and without fiction. So what this, what this is saying is everything in this book, now whether... Some people want to argue about the book here that he's talking about. Is it the Bible or is it Revelation? I don't really think it matters. I personally think he's talking about the book of Revelation. But whether it's the Bible or not, if faithful or true or what's in the Bible, faithful or true or what's in Revelation, is it the book of this prophecy, which is Revelation, or is it the prophecy of this book, which, or I'm sorry, if is, is it the, anyway, you know what I'm saying. I don't think there's a loophole here. You can look, but there's not a loophole as to what the book he's talking about. Um, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. So that's kind of a little bit of a bridge here between uh, 5 and 7. I really want to start looking at chapter or verse 7 here. And one thing as I was reading through here, and you know when you see things repeatedly in, in the Scripture that you really ought to kind of pause and pay attention and, and look at it and see what he's trying to tell us. So within these couple of verses here that we're reading, he mentions, which again, I just said, I think it's the book of Revelation. He mentions that seven times. He mentions it in verse 7, verse 9, verse 10, twice in verse 18, and twice in verse 19. So if he's mentioning this book seven times, I need to stop and pay attention and see what he's wanting me to know. 
He also, and one time he mentions the book of life. Sorry, that's in verse 19. So he says book um, eight times, but one time is the book of life. Three times Jesus tells us he's coming quickly. Okay, that must mean he really wants me to pay attention and realize he's coming quickly. He tells us this in verse 7, in verse 12, in verse 20. And it's interesting because in 7 he says, Behold. And in verse 12 he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. And as Victor has pointed out numerous times in his studies, that word behold means stop and think about it. But finally, the third time when he mentions that he's coming back quickly in verse 20, he says, Surely, without a doubt, I am coming quickly. So think about it, think about it. It's for sure guaranteed I'm coming back quickly or I'm coming quickly. So, again, that should make our antennas kind of go up and, okay, what is he wanting us to, to, to get out of this? What is he wanting us to hear? And then also, three times he specifically calls <laughs> Revelation his testimony. Jesus himself does. And you find that in verse 16, verse 18, and verse 20. So, as we go through here, let's, let's keep that in mind that he's telling us he's coming back quickly. And, and again, we can read the signs of the times, read Matthew chapter 24. And I mean, I, I don't have a doubt that he is coming back quickly. You know, it's just a matter of when. Um, and that should behoove us and make us really want to get out and talk to other people because wouldn't you like to be the one that said, I'm the one that witnessed that person that became the last bride of Christ, and that's what, when we got raptured. You know, that sounds pretty good. I'd like to have that on my resume. Of course, we know it's the Holy Spirit, but I'm the one that planted the seed. That would be awesome. It's maybe a little, little emphasis to try and maybe go out and do some evangelism. Um, but let's look at verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So again, we have, he's coming back quickly. And book. Um, and this indicates to me that as I've been talking about, this is a choice. You know, Jesus wants us to make a choice. You know, so this is a choice to keep the words of this book, and blessed is he who keeps the word of this book. Now, I want to do a little bit of a contrast, and I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. And because we've gone through, this is at the beginning, obviously, of John's uh, writing and his commission to write the uh, book of Revelation. And he says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So at the beginning of Revelation, he's saying, blessed are those who read and hear and keep. And he's talking to plural, those but by the time we get to Revelation 22, verse 7, it's down to blessed is he who keeps. There's no more reading, no more hearing. He's, it's almost like he said, okay, I've told you this. Now it's time to keep. You've heard. You've listened. Let's keep. And um, it's also singular when he's talking about he, he or she who keeps these, book, these words of this book. So... Again, you know, we have a progression here where Jesus has kind of said, look, I've laid it out for you. Now it's time for you to make a choice. And let's, let's um, keep this in mind. Um, let's look at verse 8 through 9. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. 
Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren, the prophets, of those who keep the words of this book. Again, we have book, Worship God. So, you know, John, it's interesting because he says, Now I, John, and if we read through his gospel, he always doesn't really ever mention himself. I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. But here I think he's saying, This is me. This is the guy you know, because remember, he's writing this, and it's going to go to the historical churches in Asia that we have in chapters 2 and 3. So he's saying, this is me, this is John, you know me. I'm not some stranger who's writing these, these words in this book to you. This is me, you know me. So you can trust that I heard this from God, and we're good to go. And, and <laughs> anybody here ever not done the same sin twice? Am I the only one who's never sinned the same way twice? All right, we all need to work on that. No. You know, John, he falls down, and the angel kind of rebukes him a little bit. Well, let's, let's be a little not so harsh with John, because I'm, I probably would have been like everything out of this angel's mouth. I'd have been like, oh, uh, you know. So let's, let's be a little forgiving. He fell into sin a little bit here, and he started to worship the angel. He got so overwhelmed with what he had seen. But, you know, he's human, just like us. And the angel says, see that you do not worship me. I'm a fellow servant like you are. I'm like the prophet because he's revealing things of God. Um, So he kind of sets John a little bit straight here. Um, If we look at verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. Why? For the time is at hand. So when when I I read that, it kind of made me do a little bit of a comparison and contrast. If you remember Daniel... Daniel was told three times in Daniel 8:26 and in chapter 12 uh, verse 4 and also in 9 and verses 9 and 10 he was told to seal the book up because the time was not at hand. And of course we know Daniel a lot of his prophecy was about the tribulation period which is the a period of revelation that we have here in chapter 6 through 19. So in contrast to Daniel, who was told to seal up the book because the time wasn't ready, John is told, don't seal the book. Let it loose. Let it go out. Spread it. Talk about it. Let it do its job. Let it work. Let it work in the world. Now is the time. We are in this time. Not only in time, the time of John and history, but us today. This is for us. We are still in the church age. So let it loose. We shouldn't shy away from talking about prophecy, and we shouldn't shy away from talking about the book of Revelation. You know, some people get a little, I was a little bit intimidated when I chose to, to teach this on Tuesdays, but, you know, this is Jesus' testimony, and he's directly telling us, let it loose, let it out, don't seal it, because now is the time. And then if we, we look at verse 11, this is a little, little tough sometimes, but if you, if you dig into it a little bit, you kind of get a gist of what he's saying. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. Let him, um, he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. So, it kind of goes against what we kind of always think, you know, we need to go out and we need to talk to people and we don't want them to be unjust, we don't want them to be filthy, we want them to be righteous. Well, that's true. But what he's saying is those who are unjust, let them continue in that. Those who are filthy, let them continue in that. Those who are righteous, let them continue in that as they make that choice. Those who are holy, let them be that because it's not our responsibility to turn these people. 
our responsibility is to let the gospel loose, to talk, to let the Holy Spirit work. And it's up to that person and the Holy Spirit to come to an agreement, just as we made the decision to give our lives to Christ when he was working on us. So that's what this verse is talking about. It takes the responsibility off of us. You know, hopefully that's a relief. You know, if I go out and evangelize and nobody drops on their knees and comes to Christ, well, I was a failure. No, you're doing what the Lord told you to do. So this, to me, is a little bit of a relief because it takes the responsibility off of my shoulders, thankfully, and off of your shoulders. Y'all still with me? Are we good? A couple of times I've been waiting for that. been a great place for an amen, and it's kind of, so anyway. <laughs> Come on, bolster me a little bit here. I'm a little nervous. I don't usually do this. Uh, verse 12, sorry. And behold, I am coming quickly. Again, this is Jesus himself speaking, telling, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And this can be a little bit of a stumbling block if you don't, you don't really dig into this verse. Because it almost, if you read it on the surface, you could talk to somebody. It's like, see, I knew it was a works. I knew I could earn my way into heaven. Because Jesus himself said, he's coming to give me my reward based on my works. Well, that's not exactly what he's saying. I'm not going to go into all the verses and talk about it because we know where they are. But we know that salvation is a gift. It's nothing we can earn. So when he says that he's coming with his reward and he's bringing his reward with him for every work, and that work, that word work is singular. It's not works like we have preordained or foreordained works that we were supposed to do once we become a believer. But he's talking about a singular work. So what is the singular work that he's talking about? Well, for the believer, the reward that we're going to get from our singular work and the singular work we find in John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29, Jesus was talking with his boys, and they said to him, and then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Pretty straightforward. That's the work that he's talking about here in Revelation. Not works, but the singular work of believing in Christ and turning everything over to him for your salvation. That's the work that he's speaking of. And then we get the reward for that. Our reward is we get to spend eternity with him. Now, the singular work for the unbeliever is that they didn't accept Christ. They didn't make the same choice we did. And their reward is going to be the lake of fire. So this is, and again, you know, that's what the reward he's talking about. Any questions? Usually when I teach at home, I, I stop and let people ask questions. I'm not going to make you come up on stage if you have a question, except for you, Jonathan. You can ask me a question. You'll ask me a hard one. Okay. You had your chance. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So this is Jesus talking specifically He's basically saying, I'm the one who started everything. I'm going to finish everything. I'm going to leave nothing undone. That's what he's telling us. And for those of us who may have people that we know that say, well, Jesus isn't God and this, that, and the other. Well, Jesus right here is saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I would like to direct you to Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. And that verse says, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of, of, of 
the water of life freely to him who thirsts. This is clearly God the Father talking in verse 21.6. He's calling himself the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. In the verse we were just reading, Jesus is saying the same thing. And if you want a little bit more to dig into, he's like, well, it's the same chapter you're reading. And yeah, yeah, you know, those people that wrote this book, they, they cobbled that in there. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. Let me get there. Chapter 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, and that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Make note of that. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. That's pretty clearly God the Father saying, I am the first, I am the last. If Jesus is saying the same thing, does that mean Jesus is a liar if you say that he's not God? Or are you just stuck in your unbelief? And also, it basically kind of says the same thing. We're going to look at Isaiah 48, verse 12. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, again, this is God the Father. I am the first. I am also the last. So, I guess this is more of an apologetics type verse that I'm hitting on here. If Jesus himself is claiming to be the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, and then God the Father is, it seems to me Jesus is God too. So we can take it to the bank that when Jesus is talking about all this, that this is God himself telling us as well. Um, let's move on. Let's look at this. Verse 14, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Um, does anyone here have blessed are those who wash his robes? Anyone have that translation? If you do, you can just raise your hand. I'm not, I'm not going to make you come up here and do a dance or anything. Nobody has that one? Okay, cool. Um, I just ask that because some of the translations have that, and sometimes there's a little bit of confusion. Um, but essentially, it's the same thing as... Blessed are those who do his commandments. Blessed are those who wash their robes in the blood. Um, so we're going to turn to 1 John 3.23 because we want to know what is God's commandments. If we want to do God's commandment, we need to know what his commandment is. And we were told by the same person, by the way, John, who wrote Revelation, wrote 1 John and the book of John and the 2nd and 3rd John. In 1 John 3.23, we are told... And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So, if you want to do God's command and be blessed, trust in him who was sent by God, and that's Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he loves us. Sorry, I keep losing my place. So, by doing that, and I guess just a side note um, about the washing of the robes. If you look in Revelation um, chapter 7, verse 14. Let me turn there real quick. And I said to him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So it's talking about basically the same thing as doing his commandments, which was trust on the Son of the Lord. So if you trust in the Son that was sent by God, you're washing your robe. If you wash your robe, you've trusted in the Lord. So no matter what your translation says, it's the same thing. Everybody still with me? Okay. 
15 minutes. <laughs> so let's look at um, verse 18. So if we know if we do his commandments, we are blessed and we get to enter into the city through the gates and partake of the tree of life. Well, what happens to those who don't obey his commandments, don't do his commandments? That, well, that's what we have in verse 15. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and, and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. So I guess I, when, I, when I kind of picture this in my mind when I was a young believer, I was thinking, okay, so we've got this great city that's, that God's getting here, and then it's almost like a moat around it where all this other stuff's going on. No, that's not what it's talking about. We're actually told, um, I'm going to go back, which one, to verse of Revelation 21.8. And this, again, is talking about um, the people who will not inherit the kingdom, it's basically the, the same thing, the same list, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, and you can substitute a dog for abominable in the verse that we're doing. It's the same list. Murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So what he's talking of is if you do his commandments, you're going to be able to enter into the city, partake of the tree of life freely. If you don't, you're going to be in the lake of fire. And that's not good. We, we all, I'm sure we all know people here that right now, if they don't make a decision and Jesus came back, they could end up in the lake of fire. We don't want that. So again, you know, what are we doing with our salvation when we know this is going to happen? What are we doing here? And just as very interesting um, how the last thing here says, whoever loves or practices the law, didn't it all kind of go down the tubes when Satan told a lie and it was believed way back in Genesis. Just something to think about. <laughs> Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the church. So again, this is, this is really the only place where we have where Jesus says, I, Jesus, this is what I'm doing. Um, he, he does other things, but this is him specifically identifying himself and saying, I have done this. So again, something to pay attention to. And again, he claims this book this, that we're studying part of, but the revelation is his testimony. He's testifying with it. So again, we'll sit up, get our antennas in tune, and pay attention. And when he says, I am the root and the offspring of David, I think that's very important because there's, there's a lot of people out there and other beliefs, Harry Krishna, Ascended Masters, Muhammad, I think it's interesting that he, he specifically says by saying, I am the root and the offspring of David. So he's saying, I am the beginning of David, and I am also the offspring of David. He says that because what he wants to say is this is nobody but the biblical Jewish Messiah. He's being very specific of who he is when he says this. It's not just somebody else that's out there spouting a bunch of stuff. He says, I am the one that you have read about in the Jewish book here of the Bible. So I think that's very important that we, we make sure that we know he is the Jewish Messiah, the biblical Messiah. And then he finishes up with a very interesting description of himself. This is the last kind of description that he gives of himself in the Bible. He says he is the bright and morning star. So when he talks about this, it's more of like a dawning of a new age, and we all know that when we became believers— you know, we, we have a new life, it's a new day, we're starting on a new journey here, which is awesome, and it's great, but it, it really 
it struck me because like that kind of sounds familiar. I think I've read that somewhere else in the Bible. And sure enough, if we turn to Isaiah, and I lost my book place, so forgive me, I may take me a minute to get to it, because I want to read it, not just tell you. It's up there on the screen, though, so maybe y'all should read it to me while I'm looking. Uh, 14.12, Isaiah 14.12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. Really? Lucifer? Seriously? Son of the morning. So... We have Lucifer being called a bright and morning star, which I find interesting that Jesus would call himself the bright and morning star, and Lucifer is also called the bright and morning star. So if we think about this, let me be a little personal with you guys. I didn't become a believer until I was 34. You know, Lucifer, he, he makes all kinds of promises too, just like Jesus does. Some of the things I believed before I became a believer that Lucifer promised me. If you drink this much alcohol, you'll be happy. If you smoke this much pot, you'll be happy. If you talk this girl into going home with you from the bar, you'll be happy. And then once I got married and had kids, if you work this hard and make this much money, you're going to be happy. You'll be fulfilled. If you have this position in your job, you attain this title, you'll be happy. I, I swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker. Maybe some of those are ringing true with you. Some of y'all may have some other lies you believe from Satan before you became a believer. But every one of his promises that he made to you, to me, before we were believers, they were false. He couldn't follow through. Now, they were fun for a season, no doubt about that, but they didn't fulfill, they didn't satisfy, they weren't eternal. But Jesus, the true bright morning star, Every one of his promises will be fulfilled. He is the one who satisfies us, who fills that longing in our hearts that gives us the strength to go on through this broken world because we're looking forward to what we have coming. That is our blessed hope. That's what we have going for us. But those who are still continuing to believe his lies, they're lost, and this is their future. If you read through the book of Revelation, this is what they get to look forward to. So let's move on to verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So the spirit and the bride say, come. Are they saying, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly? Or are they talking to the unbeliever? Come, come to Jesus. I think they're saying both. I know I'm, I'm part of the bride of Christ, and I'm, there's days when I sit there and I say, Lord, just come on back. I'm ready. And then I, I pause and I think, wait a minute, there's people I love who aren't believers. Please don't come back yet. Please don't. So I think that it's both. We're, we're asking, we're pleading for the Lord to come back quickly, and we're also pleading, which we have in the last part of the verse, to come. And this is Jesus' desire, whoever you know, I, sometimes I, I look at my, my life and I think, man, you got a lemon with me, man. When you chose me, you just got a real lemon when I blow it or I mess up. But no, Jesus knew. He knew what he was getting. He made some lemonade out of me, so he made a little lemonade probably out of all y'all too, so it's all good. But whoever, so whoever chooses to take the water of life freely, and that word freely is actually undeservedly, and we're all undeserved. We've all come to, to drink of the water of life undeservedly. Because if we were deserving, then Jesus came and died for nothing. 
So just remember, it's always grace and it's always undeservedly. Verse 18. For I testify, again, this is the testimony, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So again, okay, do we take away from this book of Revelation or do we take away from the book of the Bible? Does it really matter? You don't want to take away from any of it because it's all God's words. I mean, the, and we're told in John, sorry, this just came to me, so those of you who know how I teach, that's why it's not up there. We're told in John that, that Jesus is the word and, and he became the flesh. So if you take away from this word, you're taking away from Jesus. You're taking away from him. It's not just a written text here that you're not neglecting to talk about. You're, talking away, you're taking away from Jesus himself. So it's very, very careful. You need to be careful about and it's not just... Um, pastors or teachers who teach. This is everybody who reads the word. Don't take away from it. It's not just your teachers or leaders or whatever. It's everybody who claims and says they're a believer. We're not to take away from this this book. Or you can see what happens. Um, Now, very interesting. um, We're actually told in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, a little bit of the same thing. So let me turn there real quick. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 4, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. So again, this is echoed as Jesus is echoing this, which was told in Deuteronomy. The same thing, don't take away from this book or add to it. Also, I would like to point out to you in Matthew 16, verse 6, we have Jesus himself saying, Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I think that's a little bit germane to what we're talking about here of taking away and adding to, because as you know, the Pharisees added a whole bunch to the Word of God. So they did what Jesus said not to, and the Sadducees did the opposite. They're the ones who took away from the Word of God. So even in the time of Jesus, he was dealing with some of the same issues that we deal with today. You know, there's people out there and they're maligning the word of God, and they're maligning Jesus, and they're just down on him, and and they're not preaching or talking about what they should. So let's wrap it up here. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things said, and so the he obviously is Jesus, surely I am coming quickly. And then we have John, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. So I hope that as we've gone through this, that this was a little bit of an encouragement, maybe an eye-opener as it was for me when I first did this study. And let's, let's look at our um, people that we interact with in our lives. You know, let's look at them a little differently. If we know they're not saved, let's talk to them. You know, you don't have to know every verse by heart. It helps, you know. Uh, but, you know, just talk to them about Jesus. You know, talk to him about what he's done in your life, what you're doing, you know. And just let the Lord work. It's not our responsibility to convert anybody or save anybody. Our responsibility is to tell them. That's all we're called to do. So hopefully that's a relief. Uh, I would like to actually um, finish with, uh, if you all will turn to Matthew chapter 25, we're going to read verses 1 through 13, a very familiar 
uh, passage of scriptures here, but I think it does play into what we're talking about tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start reading while y'all are getting there. Verse 25, verse, or yeah, chapter 25, verse 1 of Matthew. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wives and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all, I point that out, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go, go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy... The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, As surely I say to you, I do not know you. Verse 13, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So again, this is probably a very familiar parable for all of us. I know um, we've heard it a few times. But I did want to emphasize that Jesus says that all the virgins were slumbering. Let us not be slumbering. Let us be wise. Let us be awake. Let us be vigilant. Let us talk to those that come across our paths who aren't believers. Let us love them as Jesus loved us and kept reaching out to us. Somebody shared with us. Let us be like that person who shared with you, who shared with me. Um. Yeah, not going to go there. So, hope everybody has a great evening. Let's uh, close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you, praise you, Lord. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, that, that you are willing that none should perish, Lord, that you have reached down and saved us, Lord. And I just pray if there's anyone watching online, anyone here who doesn't know you, who finds himself in that demographic of not being a believer, today is the day of salvation. Please, Think about what I said. Don't believe me. Read it for yourself. Pick up a Bible and read it for yourself. Read through Revelation if you're not a believer. See what's coming your way if you don't turn to the Lord. If you don't take him up on his offer to give you salvation, to save you. Lord, I pray as we go forward from this night that you will carry us quickly and safely to our earthly homes. We pray for those who are suffering, who are sick. I specifically lift up Joanne Chabelsky, Lord, that you would be with her. Just work a miracle upon her life and heal her. And be with Rick and Joanne as they go through this. Fill them with their grace and give them a peace about what's going on with them. And ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.